UN Rights Chief Michelle Bachelet has been particularly busy this week as the Human Rights Council's 50th session got underway in Geneva. She's spoken about her visit to China and also issued alerts on the devastated Ukrainian city of Mariupol, as we'll hear. This week we also celebrated Albinism Awareness Day and to find out more I've been speaking to filmmaker Harry Freeland about his brilliant documentary In the Shadow of the Sun. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. First, the news. UN Rights Chief Michelle Bachelet has issued a fresh alert about the terrible suffering that's still being endured by people in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol. Addressing the Human Rights Council on Thursday, Ms Bachelet described conditions there as dire, even though the shelling has subsided. People cannot leave and return to the city freely, including those who left Mariupol in April or March. I'm also concerned about the way the so-called filtration process of civilians was and is being carried out, but reportedly involving arbitrary terminations, intimidation and humiliation, which may amount to ill-treatment, as well as reported instances of family separation and threats to the right to private life. The related risk of detentions and ill-treatment for those who do not pass the process are also of concern. Ms Bachelet told the council that the worst instance of fighting in the southern port city was the Russian air attack on the city's theatre on the 16th of March, where hundreds of civilians were hiding, despite the fact that signs painted on the ground outside clearly indicated that children were inside. And she said that only a shattered and depleted city is left today, with its remaining residents struggling daily, with limited access to basic needs including medical care. Also this week at the Human Rights Council in Geneva, Ms Bachelet announced that she would not be seeking a second term as the UN's rights chief. She also offered further information on her recent official visit to China, saying that although she was unable to talk to any detained Uyghurs or their families during her visit to Xinjiang, in anticipation of this, she met former detainees now outside the country. Her office will now update its awaited report on the situation before publishing, Ms Bachelet added. A staggering 100 million people have now been forced to flee their homes globally, the UN refugee agency UNHCR said on Thursday. Worldwide food insecurity, the climate crisis, war in Ukraine and other emergencies from Africa to Afghanistan are leading causes of this dramatic milestone, the agency said in a new report. In Geneva, head of the UN agency Felipe Grandi said that he could not imagine how the trend could change as the global food insecurity and energy crisis continues. If you have a food crisis on top of everything that I have described, right? War, human rights, climate, you name it. On top of that, you have a food crisis. It will just accelerate the trends that are described in this report and that we have seen accelerating already in the first few months of the year. Ever greater numbers of vulnerable people are risking their lives on dangerous migration routes in Latin America. Forced to move by the global food security crisis, the UN World Food Programme, or WFP, has said countries including Haiti now face food price inflation of 26% and other countries are worse hit still, said Lola Castro, WFP Regional Director in Latin America and the Caribbean. Latest data indicates that 9.7 million people in the 13 countries where WFP works across the region are already extremely food insecure. That's up from 8.3 million in late 2021. More people are already deciding to leave their homes and migrate north because of this, said Ms Castro. All of you are watching caravans, caravans of migrants moving. And before we used to talk about migration happening from the north of Central America. But now, unfortunately, we talk about migration being hemispheric. 
we have the whole continent on the move. One of the clearest signs of people's desperation is the fact that they're willing to risk their lives crossing the Darien Gap, a particularly dangerous forest route in Central America that allows access from the south of the continent to the north. In 2020, 5,000 people made this crossing, but last year, more than 150,000 people did so. The headlines there, and now to this week's interview, which explores the dangers faced by people with albinism and an empowering film that's been made to raise awareness about this rare genetic condition. It's called In the Shadow of the Sun, which follows two Tanzanian men with albinism, and it documents the discrimination and escalating violence against people with the condition. To tell us more, here's the director, Harry Freeland. In the Shadow of the Sun is a film that tells the story of albinism in Africa. People with albinism are severely persecuted for the colour of their skin. And actually now this has led to a spate of murders in the belief that albino body parts will bring wealth and fortune. So this is a really important subject matter that is known very little about across the world. So I really wanted to raise awareness of that. So tell me what albinism is then. I, I know little more than the fact that it's a rare genetic condition. Uh, it means that we don't have colour in our hair, eyes and skin. That's right. Yeah. Well, people with albinism are severely stigmatised for their unique appearance, particularly in Africa, where they're born with white skin. So they really stand out. They're violently persecuted across the whole continent, really. And as well as suffering health needs because they lack melanin in their skin that protects them from the sun, the majority of people with albinism face challenges in all aspects of life, including education, employment, political representation. You know, and I think although you know there are all these murders happening I think something that people often miss is that many people with albinism are actually dying very young because of skin cancer and because of the lack of knowledge and understanding and education around the issue you know parents send their kids out to look after the cattle along with their siblings and they end up getting severely burnt but rather than parents then understanding that they actually send them back out into the sun because they don't understand the, the dangers of skin cancer and then that sort of perpetuates further because their, their skin blisters, their parents then think the condition is contagious and they won't allow their children to eat from the same plates as the rest of the family. They hide them away and treat them like animals and it's kind of a, a spiral from there really. Yeah, it's very disturbing and very sad, but your film In the Shadow of the Sun follows two Tanzanian men with albinism and, and uh, as you say, documents their discrimination and the escalating violence that they face. What is your message, Harry Freeland? You're from the, and you founded the NGO Standing Voice. What's your message to everybody everywhere? Why should we be involved and concerned about this problem? Yeah, so when I... When I set out to make this film, uh, there was very little awareness around albinism. I look back now, sort of 10 years since the film's been broadcast, and there really has been so much progress. You know, we, we took the film to all over the world, screened in film festivals and cinemas in over 80 countries. So this really did bring a huge amount of awareness to albinism in Africa. And I think through our work with Standing Voice, this awareness-raising push and the extraordinary global response to In the Shadow of the Sun led me to found Standing Voice in 2013. You know, Standing Voice is an international NGO that promotes the human rights of people with albinism in sub-Saharan Africa. And to tackle the wide range of challenges faced by people with albinism, we deliver programmes in dermatology, ophthalmology, education, livelihoods and trauma recovery. 
And these programmes really, we've seen extraordinary amounts of success. Levels of discrimination have begun to come down in locations where we've operated the skin cancer programme longest. We're winning the battle against skin cancer and seeing rates reduce as much as 90%. So really, the impact of our work is really being seen on the ground. That's fantastic. What I think listeners might like to know as well, Harry, is that your involvement in this campaign to help raise awareness for those with albinism, why? Why did you get involved in the first place? So I was making films in Africa for 10 to 15 years, and I first became sort of aware of the levels of discrimination faced by people with albinism whilst making a film in Senegal in the early 2000s. I met a woman with a two-week-old child with albinism. Um, who had been abandoned by her husband and his family after giving birth to the child. When I met her, she was in floods of tears and begged me to take the child away. I actually have a cousin who has albinism, so I had some prior knowledge about the condition. However, before this incident of meeting this mother, it had never before dawned on me that, that being born with albinism in Africa could lead to such extraordinary and extreme levels of discrimination. And so really, after this moment, I actually just kept coming face to face with the issue. It was a few years later, I, whilst making a film in Sierra Leone, I met another woman with albinism living under a cardboard box with her four children with albinism on the streets. She too had been abandoned by her family and they were all severely burnt by the sun. And really this was a, a wake up call for me that this was not just an issue in Senegal, but a continental problem. At that point, I began to conduct research and discovered many horrifying things and actually discovered that there was very little awareness around albinism. So really, this was my kind of my calling, really. I, I, I realised that, you know, maybe a film could help build awareness globally. And I began to research, you know, where to make a film and found many horrifying things. I found a farm in Senegal where people with albinism had fled to for shelter because they were being so badly treated in their communities. I found women with albinism in Zimbabwe who were being raped in the belief that it cures HIV AIDS. And I came across Ukadewe Island where I found people with albinism who were kept away from their families and really treated like animals, kept in dark rooms, uh, were made to eat from separate plates from their siblings in the fear their condition was contagious. And it was Ukadewe Island in Tanzania that I set out to start making this film back in 2006. And little did I know at the time this was just three months before the murders of people with albinism in Tanzania were going to be reported in the press for the first time. And then so as the murders escalated around the Lake region in Tanzania, I began to make my film and and ended up following it for the next six years, following my two protagonists, you know, as the threats they faced took on the kind of new potency, I guess. I then lived in Tanzania for long periods of time while making the film. And I think the key thing to say about the story is, um, you know, despite the hardship the two protagonists encountered throughout the film, I really wanted to make a documentary that was a hopeful portrait of the journeys of two people with albinism who were both fighting desperately to win their battles against prejudice. You know, the documentary is filmed observationally to give the characters the opportunity to reveal the true realities of their lives. And I I hope this succeeds in bringing the audience closer to both of them. (laughs) And I really wanted the film to focus on the power of its protagonists to achieve control over their lives rather than victimhood, which I think actually, certainly in past media, has done when covering this subject. So I I really wanted to create a film that was empowering and show two people really doing something about their lives. My thanks to Harry Freeland for sharing his experiences and insight and solutions for people with albinism and wider society.
I recommend taking a look at his film In the Shadow of the Sun as soon as you can. With that, it's time to wrap up this week's show, but we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Bye-bye for now. (laughs) Thank you.